If you come into this place with the hope of growing deeper, with the hope of connecting, with the hope of glimpsing God, and if all of those things take place, and your spirit is moved, and you swear God is near, and you feel more than lucky for the gift of faith, and then the service comes to an end, and it's time for you to leave, and you ask yourself, where do we go from here? Then I would say to you, go out into the world to love, to share, and to learn. But come back soon, because this is only the beginning. This is only the beginning. So come on in, fill your cup here, be present here, God is here. Let us worship holy God. Now enjoy listening to Spirit of God descend upon my heart. Please join me in the prayer of confession. Let us go to God in prayer. In the wilderness, water brings life. Seek us out, O God. Take us to the water. In the word of God, the good news gives life. In the bread and the wine, the body of our Savior nourishes everyone. We continue in prayer as we consider how we can offer our time, talent, and treasure to God. 
The offering plates as well as this week's announcements can be found in the back of the sanctuary as you leave worship today. Let us pray. God of all blessings, source of all life, giver of all grace, we thank you for the gift of life, for the breath that sustains life, for the food of this earth that nurtures life, for the love of family and friends without which there would be no life. We thank you for this day, for life, and one more day to love, for opportunity, and one more day to work for justice and peace for neighbors, and one more person to love, and by whom be loved, for your grace, and one more experience of your presence, for your promise to be with us, to be our God, and to give salvation. For these and all blessings, we give you thanks, eternal, loving God, through Jesus Christ we pray, amen. Let us share the peace of Christ with one another by waving, while the children come forward for the children's sermon. Children are coming around for two cents a meal. There's Mary, go that direction. Turn around. Turn around. Turn around. Very good. Mary has a bucket. Here we go. Right here. Still a few more. Come down this way. Isaac. Very 
Very good. All right. Excellent. Okay. Can you come over here and sit down? Perfect. Wonderful. You guys did a great job. I have a little story to tell you today. Do you know, but before I tell the story, I have to ask you a question. Do you know what houses looked like when Jesus was around? No. They didn't look a whole lot like the houses that we have today. And a lot of times they had flat roofs. And you could do household chores up on the flat roof. Like maybe you took your laundry up there or your, your cooking because it was cool. And so they were very flat and there wasn't a ton of rain. And you could, you could go and hang out on the top of the roof. So that's my, that's my preface to this story. Well, one time, Jesus was in Capernaum. And when people heard that Jesus was around, everybody came out. What do you think they wanted to do when they saw Jesus? What do you think they wanted from him? What did they want? That's a good guess. So help. Yeah. To meet him, absolutely. To hear him teach. But also, what if food, sure. What if you were sick or had been sick for a long time? Right, help, healing. And a lot of people would come to Jesus and they wanted to be healed. So one time he was in Capernaum and the whole house was packed, wall-to-wall people. And you couldn't get through it all, but they all wanted to see Jesus and they all wanted him to heal them and they were listening to him speak. And these four men had a friend who was paralyzed. Do you know what paralyzed means? It means that he couldn't move his arms or his legs or walk or do anything. Um, so he couldn't have a job, and that was really bad in the first century. And his four friends wanted to get him in to see Jesus so that he could be healed. So do you know what they did? They couldn't squeeze through the crowd. So what, remember at the very beginning, and I told you about the roofs? They did. They went up to the top of the house, up to the roof, and they made a big hole in the roof, and they lowered the paralyzed man right down in front of Jesus. If you did that to my roof, what do you think I would say? Why did you put a big hole in my roof? But that's not what Jesus said. He looked at the man, and he said, any ideas? I will heal you. Yes, absolutely. He said, take your mat and get up and walk. And he did. And he was absolutely fine because his friends brought him and made a hole in the roof and lowered him right down to Jesus. Isn't that an amazing story? Yes. So I guess to get out of that, it's important to help other people, huh? To lift them up. All right, let's say a prayer. Dear Jesus, we also are amazed at the power and love of Jesus, which makes each of us healthy and whole. Help us to share his love with others. Amen. Okay, I don't have to do the scripture today. Pretty much did it. Brothers and sisters, I have good news for you this morning. This is good news that isn't new from a story that's ancient but never old. 
So at this time, I invite you to lean in, listen well, and listen carefully to these words from Holy Scripture. From the Gospel of Mark, this is chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. When Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large crowds that there was no more room, not even outside the door. And Jesus preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. Since they couldn't get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it, then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he turned to the man and he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Some teachers of the law were sitting there. And they, thinking to themselves, said, Why is this fellow talking like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this is what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, Why are you thinking these things? Which is easier? For me to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or get up, take your mat, and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. The man got up, took his mat, and walked out in front of them all. Everyone was amazed by this. And they praised God, saying, we've never seen anything like this. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So, I don't know if you noticed, there's no praying going on in there, but we're going to talk about this. We're still talking about intercessory prayer. An intercessor, for those of you who don't know that word or someone who intercedes, is someone who goes between, someone who does something for somebody else on their behalf. There are some other definitions you need to know. In Jesus' time, there were and maybe in our time too, there were different understandings of ailments or problems. If you had a physical disease, that was called a disease, and to fix that, you were cured. So the word there is cured. If you had another type of ailment, a spiritual ailment, a relational ailment, if something was wrong, that was called healing. Jesus, in this story, does both. He cures the physical ailment, and he restores the man 
He heals him. Uh, he restores him to his community. I have lots of questions about this. Now, initially, we all, didn't you all go, oh, yeah, I know this story, right? How many of you go, yeah, I know this story? Know this story, right? You could tell it if you had to in a children's sermon, right? Right? That day may come, right? Um, so I started thinking about this. Who are these guys? And they're actually more than four because this big group of them come, and how many are carrying the man? How many? Four. Four. So there's more. Did they have to rotate in between? Did they get tired? How far did they have to bring this man? And, of course, then how far did that man have to walk to get home? Right? Doesn't say they came from next door. Keep the noise down. You've got a big crowd here. Oh, we're going to bring this guy. So they brought this man. They carried him. Who was this man? He was probably in some way kin to them because that's the way communities were back then. Isn't that a lot like here? Right? I, I say, oh, so-and-so. And they're like, well, she's so-and-so's cousin's in-law. You know, we're all like that. I don't know if that's the South. I see that all over the place. So there are all these kinships. And some of us are members of y'all's family because you love us. Right? You've taken us in. It doesn't have to be a blood relationship or a marriage. But this paralyzed man, what power did he have with his friends, right, with his family, that they would do this? I mean, can you imagine the dust and the trudging and the carrying? I don't know. Could he speak at all? Could he move at all? And what happened to him? Was it a sickness? Was it a disease like polio? Was it uh, a stroke? What caused the paralysis? How long had he been paralyzed? We don't know any of these answers. Of course, I'm, the more I dig, the more questions I have. We don't know any of that. So what do we know? Well, we know that Jesus healed him. We, he, he healed that man uh, for the sins. We all need that kind of healing. Jesus went to the cross for us. He interceded for us. And in Romans 8, we read that Jesus is our intercessor with God. He sits on the right hand of the Father, and Jesus intercedes with us before the throne, or for us before the throne. The Holy Spirit intercedes for us by interpreting our prayers, because even in our best day, we're just not that good, right? We're not perfect. We're not on God's level. So the Holy Spirit is our intercessor. But we call this act of praying for other people intercessory prayer but the real intercessor is Jesus so what are we asked to do y'all figured this out already didn't you nod your head if you have this yeah we bring people to Jesus that's what we do that's our role we bring people to Jesus and what can we bring them for you know like what sorts of issues for this man, he had a sin issue as well as a physical issue, and we know that, right? Sometimes a physical ailment has a spiritual or emotional or um, psychiatric root. It's not always just a physical thing. And sometimes it is related to sin. Think about the effects of different addictions, right? Unhealthy eating, lack of exercise. Um, Think about um, some cancers. I mean, there are lots of things, diabetes, that can be related to behavior. So it's still true. Would you agree with that? It's still true. There, some of us need healing on 
more than one level. And Jesus can do all of that. What about studying for a test? Can we bring that to Jesus? What about, what about trouble with a neighbor or with a family member? Not that that would ever happen, right? What about um, uh, there's so much noise I can't sleep tonight? What about that? Noise in my head, noise outside. Can we bring that to God? What about big things? The world's in an uproar, right? Kingdoms fall. Can we bring that? Here's what Paul reminds us in Philippians. He says, don't be anxious about anything. Did you hear that? Don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, make your requests known to God. Present your requests to God. So anything. Your toe hurts. Go ahead. Right? Let somebody know because the man didn't carry himself. The man didn't lower himself. Let people know. And that's, you remember a few weeks back when we said that perfect love casts out all fear? To be open with one another, to be transparent with our hurts, to be transparent with our cares, and sometimes it's just one trusted person. Sometimes you don't want to do it for the whole congregation. I get that. I get that. But in every situation, we can let God know that. And the peace of Christ that passes all understanding will guard our hearts and minds. And sometimes we need that. So we know what we're supposed to do, right? We're supposed to bring people to Jesus. Now how are we to do it? How did they do it? I made a list because that's who I do. That's what I do. Um, so how did they do it? They did it together. They were in a group. Wherever two or more are gathered, I've heard that said in this building, right? Wherever two or more are gathered in Jesus' name, bring somebody into your prayer time. Um, they brought somebody who was cast out. Look for people that you might not usually pray for. Be open to them. This man, Lucas, just came to me. I was working at Mass Store yesterday. Just came to me. I've had people come up to me and say, um, my brother is in the hospital, and, and you need to pray for him. I've never met them, right? Does this happen to you, too, when you're open? People will come to you. And it's not an age thing. Young people pray very effectively. I mean, young people and young people both pray very effectively. Um, also, when they brought that person back, he was restored. At that time... If you had a paralysis, maybe because it could be related to a contagious disease, those folks were kept separate from the community. When Jesus said, go home, he meant go home, be loved, be part of that community again. So they did it for that person, but they also did it for the community. That community was also restored because someone was missing. Someone who was loved and important, because why else would that man be carried, however far, to come to Jesus? We're using those guys as a model. 
persistent. Would you say they were persistent? Yeah. Can't get it this way. You know, you can't go, isn't there a song about that? Can't get in through the door, right? But um, so they go up onto the roof and dig through the roof. So I'm not quite sure how they knew where Jesus was, right? That they were digging in the right place, that stuff didn't land on them. I don't know. But persistent and creative, right? So we can pray without ceasing, but to be creative about it. And I'm going to give you an opportunity in a few minutes. We can do all things through Christ. We can pray and gather. We can do that. Gosh, even in a pandemic, we can find a way to gather. Can we not? We can still be tight. We can still be in fellowship. Even then, we can find a way to love people who are hateful to us. Um, we can accept people who are nothing like us. We can love each other. We can be still in a storm. Right? Be creative. God made you in God's image. And part of that image is creativity. These folks were committed. They were loving. Right? Jesus saw their faith. Now, some scholars translate that not as faith, but as loyalty. And some assume that that means loyalty to Jesus, that they showed up at this house. And it was a house. It wasn't a synagogue, from what I've read. But what if that loyalty was to that man? I think that might be what it is. Jesus saw their loyalty to this man, and because of their love, they didn't heal this man. Jesus healed the man. But their love and their commitment to that man is important. Um, so the job of a prayer is to bring them to Jesus, and maybe they need a cure, and maybe they need healing. We don't know. Um, I want to talk to you before we do our practice moment. Um, what are the effects? What are the effects of prayer? Does this really work? Raise your hand if you've seen it work, if you know of somebody who has been healed or helped by prayer. Okay. We haven't all seen, like, the physical evidence, but it does happen. And you don't have to trust me. You can trust Duke University, if you prefer that. Um, for uh, a study that they did, a double-blind study, which means the doctors and, and medical caregivers did not know, the patients did not know, um, they set up this study where people would pray for the patients, half of the patients in the cardiac care unit. Those patients, that half of the cardiac care unit, had 50% fewer complications in their recovery from surgery. So it works, even if you haven't seen it in other places. And you can look that uh, study up online, but I've been hearing about that for years. Um, for the prayers, as a, so that's the prayees, for the prayers, we are changed, are we not? When we are in constant communication with God, because that's what prayer is, we are changed. We become more attuned, more aware of what God wants. So, my friend's mother is 90, and she was not thriving. She just was not, she just wasn't doing well. Her weight was dropping. She was depressed. Things weren't working. So we prayed. Not that she would be 28 playing volleyball on a team. 
we prayed that she would be present with her daughter when her daughter came to visit so they could have the conversations that they could have. That was God's will, right? Not that she revert, go back in time, um, but that this moment could be blessed and could be set apart for them to have a conversation. So the prayers are changed, the prayees are helped, right? And the community, what happened in that house? What happened in that house where Jesus was? Everybody who saw that was amazed, right? They learned, as Jesus clarified about the sin and the walking, um, they learned that Jesus heals and cures. He does both, all our diseases and ills. God will be praised in the community, and we will grow. Um, as a community, we will grow. Uh, Myongsong Presbyterian Church is in Seoul, Korea. I hope you know about this. It's now the largest Presbyterian church in the world. But in the early 1980s, 40 people got together and prayed every day in the morning for the growth of that church and also for their um, brothers and sisters in North Korea. And they prayed every morning. By 1995, and I don't think they're getting that close to each other right now, but by 1995, they had three prayer services at 4, 5, and 6 in the morning. They had to go to three because when they get to 4,000 people, they have to shut the door and start. So they have 12,000 people praying every morning, four, five, and six in the morning, right? So 4,000 of each. And they gather together and they pray. And that church has grown because of prayer. And the Korean church in general is really known for their prayer. If you've ever been to a Salem Presbyterian meeting hosted by one of the Korean Presbyterian churches, they know, they know hospitality well. They have such servant hearts and delicious food. But they are so loving and they pray. That's a terrific example. I want us uh, to practice for just one minute. Here's what I want you to try. This is a different way of intercessory prayer. Um, you don't have to pray specifically. You don't have to use words. If you're willing to try this with me, we'll take a few moments to be still. And Xavier might be a good one for us to lift up. If you could, what, what I'm going to envision is Xavier being held in his mother's arms. Okay? And for that moment to happen. Because right now he's in the NICU. She's probably not able to hold him. Um, maybe there's another concern that you have. Okay? But if you can envision what would be God's will in that situation. Right. Is that too weird for you? You got it? Okay. All right. So we'll start with a few minutes of si few moments of silence so you can focus and be still. And then I want you to envision that um, healing.
Lord, we lift up to you and lower down to you the people that you love, the situations that burden us. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Amen. At this time, I think we have a hymn. Is that right? Brothers and sisters, will you stand with me as we affirm our faith? So this is our opportunity to say aloud and to remember what it is that we believe. So if you will with me, we believe that goodness can come from the dirt, that faith can come from doubt, that minds can be changed, that justice can begin with us, and that something good can come from Nazareth. We believe all these things because we believe that God is more expansive than we have words for. Showing up in the corners of our world, so often ignored and denied. We believe that from this place of holy surprise, God invites us forward, beckoning hope bravery, and curiosity from each of us. Come and see, God says. We believe. Help our unbelief. Amen. If you'll be seated.
Let us join with all creation in prayer for the good of all, saying, God, who makes us one, hear our prayer. Oh God, we give you thanks for your Holy Spirit, whose work at creation continues in us. Through Christ Jesus, you have shown your love for us. We pray all people may know your prayer and goodness. God, who makes us one, hear our prayer. Word of life, reveal your wonder to all people. Show us anew the vision of what we have seen every day and taken for granted. Enliven the church with your spirit. God who makes us one, hear our prayer. Almighty God, uphold our sisters and brothers who endure disasters caused by weather, war, famine, sickness, or greed. Lord, be with those who continue to grieve from the events 20 years ago. Strengthen all who are in peril. You are our refuge and strength, the very present help in time of trouble. God, who makes us one, hear our prayer. Giver of all good things, bring trust and sympathy to the nations of the world. Let peacemakers reign wherever there is conflict. Give wisdom to leaders and hope to the poor. God who makes us one, hear our prayer. Good healer, we pray for all who are in need of comfort. Comfort those who mourn. Uphold those who are sick, holding vigil, or awaiting words of hope. Especially those we name before you now. Trusting in your mercy, we commend to you all those we've named and those whose names are known only to you. In the name of your Son, Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, and to whom we pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, holy be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
Folks, today is um, Christian Education Sunday, so it's very fitting that we're going to be commissioning our Sunday school teachers and youth leaders. Folks, come on down. I'm going to read the names, even though some of these folks aren't here, but if you'll come down over here, that would be terrific. So Martha Ellen Jones, uh, Nicole Winterhalter, Kim Setzer, Gina Bergner, Karen Donnelly, Susan Cook, Rebecca White, Rebecca Wilbur, Thomas and Liz Setzer, Della Kinney, Chris Harris, Rebecca White, Elaine Nicholson, Thomas Setzer, Jeremy Troyer, John and Joyce Irvin, Elizabeth Dobson, Melissa Donnelly, How's that? Better? Okay. So we're called by God to be the church of Jesus Christ, a sign in the world today of what God intends for all humankind. The great ends of the earth, church, I'm sorry. The shelter, nurture, and spiritual fellowship of the children of God, the maintenance of divine worship, the preservation of the truth, the promotion of social righteousness, and the exhibition of the kingdom of heaven to the world. So the call of Christ is to willing, dedicated discipleship. Our discipleship is a manifestation of the new life that we enter through baptism. Discipleship is both a gift and a commitment, an offering and a responsibility. These brothers and sisters have answered the call to serve as church school teachers and leaders of the youth and children's ministry groups here at Concord. So to you I say, the grace bestowed on you in baptism is sufficient for your calling because it's God's grace. By God's grace we're saved and enabled to grow in the faith and to commit our lives in ways to serve Christ. God has called you to particular service. Show your purpose by answering these questions. And just so you don't stumble like I do, the answer to the first one is Jesus Christ. I think you know this. Who is your Lord and Savior? Jesus, Jesus Christ, Christ is my Lord and Savior. And you knew that. So will you be Christ's faithful disciple, obeying his word and showing his love? If so, please say, I do. I will. Sorry. With God's help. I've never done this before. Did you know? <laughs> So, do you welcome the responsibility of this service because you are determined to follow the Lord Jesus, to love neighbors, and to work for the reconciling of the world? If so, say, I do. I do. Okay. Will you serve, this is my favorite, will you serve the people with energy, intelligence, imagination, and love, relying on God's mercy and rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit? If so, say, I will with God's help. 
Do you, members of Concord Presbyterian Church, gracious people, confirm the call of God to these brothers and sisters in the service of Jesus Christ? If so, say, we do. Will you support and encourage them in this ministry? If so, say we will. Okay. Let's pray. Faithful God, in baptism you claimed us, and by your Holy Spirit you're working in our lives, empowering us to live a life worthy of our calling. We thank you for leading these brothers and sisters to this time and place. Establish them in your truth and guide them by your Holy Spirit that in your service they may grow in faith, hope, and love and be faithful disciples of Jesus Christ to whom, with you and the Holy Spirit, be honor and glory now and forever. Amen. You may be seated or stand as you choose. Before I send you out with the charge and benediction, I want to remind you there's a Sunday school event that uh, your folks have worked hard to put together. So come out and have some somewhat unhealthy snacks um, and uh, some fellowship and talk about what might be uh, something that you're called to study uh, in this next season of Sunday school. And now may the God of peace sanctify you entirely. And may your spirit and soul and body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful and will do this. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen.